Oscar Poker. time with Gary uh, Oldman this afternoon, um, and I am looking forward to seeing Tinker Tailor Soldier, Soldier Spy a third time at the uh, uh, premiere screening tomorrow night, mm-hmm. uh, having seen it twice. Uh, now, you saw it once? Uh, I saw it, yeah. I mean, I saw it partly through. I had to leave right before the end, so. Oh, yeah, right. I'm looking so, forward to going back and seeing it again, but right, um, right. but it's really... I mean, he's an amazing director, you know. There's just no two ways about it. The guy's a genius. (laughs) I don't know where he came from. I mean, I did a little research on him. He's like, uh, his dad was a... Speaking, let's, for those who don't know, you're speaking of the director, Thomas Alfredson. Right. Right. Yeah, Thomas Alfredson, who um, uh, directed Tinker Tailor and also directed Let the Right One In, which is a freaking masterpiece, you know. And... um, but but Tinker Taylor is is also you know quite good considering mm. he's um, coming down off of such a high from the other movie. I mean, and, and he didn't turn around and do the exact same thing. He did something very very different with this, which I think is amazing. And it was yeah. he's a very thoughtful person. He doesn't give you generic answers. I didn't think. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just look forward to digging in a little bit more. I do know that he. Um, he doesn't believe in um, uh, giving the answers to audiences. Like he likes to make you guess what's going on, and I think that that is is leaving people with a little bit of confusion with the movie. But he says he's comfortable with that. You know, he's okay well, with that. Well, it's my belief that they probably do need to see it a couple of times to really savor everything. I I kind of it came to be together for me in a. Much in a somewhat more satisfying, um, no, not somewhat, more satisfying way. It was quite complete, and 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 I was savoring it a lot more with my second go around. So I'm afraid those listening who do not have access to free screenings, as Sasha and I do, you're going to have to shell out uh, uh, twenty six or twenty eight dollars on two separate, you know, the co- combination of two ticket prices. To fully uh, enjoy, and and mm-hmm. it is enjoyable, and it's and it's stimulating, and it's strong, and it's adult, and it's um, you know, right. but it's definitely a, it's a, it's you got to see it twice. I really do think that's the case. It's well, not easy yeah. to figure out. It just isn't. And so then you get the question of Academy members, and you know, 
uh, whether or not they're going to be able to get it all the first time through. They don't watch things the first time, isn't it? That is the common understanding. They they barely they can barely be uh, persuaded to pop the DVD in, and then they uh, you know. Uh, unless I don't there's know. A, a naked oh, woman in it. They watch. It. So if know. there's a nudie, if there's a naked woman, they'll watch it. But you know, um, yeah. I think Tinker Taylor is right in their wheelhouse, though. Okay. You know, it's it's that generation. It's the Cold War, so a lot of these guys are you know remember that. Um, and I think that they, that they, uh, you know, and that they love all these actors are very, you know, it's an incredible ensemble, right? It's, it's, um, Gary Oldman. And I I began uh, the conversation with uh, Gary by asking about what I feel are the great minimalist performances and what, in which uh, there's quite uh, a lot going on, but it's conveyed very sparingly, very, uh, very subtly, uh, Al Pacino in the uh, Godfather Part Two, yeah. uh, almost any Steve McQueen performance, particularly the you know Bullet of the Sand Pebbles or you name it. Uh, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas and I've loved you so long. Uh, we all have our favorites, but he's definitely one of those that you remember for doing uh, a lot with uh, not that much in the way of uh, gesturing or facial. You know, everything's very subdued and yeah. subtle make sure it was working because it was looking weird the way it was recording and yeah. I stopped it and I played it and it was okay. But, um, this one, I noticed it was doing that and I just assumed it was okay. Cause we'd done it last time, but it yeah. wasn't, you know, it was all funky, but, and okay. it could just be a member. Now I know it's a kind of probably a Ram issue, a memory issue on my computer. There's just not enough juice to record it. So it, oh, it okay. triggered an error, even though the recording was there, it just it wouldn't play. Okay. And I couldn't, I couldn't uh, do anything to it. I couldn't transform it into an MP3 or anything. It was just fucked up. But um, anyway, I asked to also, uh, by the way, I asked him about uh, his manager, Douglas Urbanski, and I said to him, "When is Doug Urbanski's next landmark performance uh, in in you know a film uh, following his uh, jolting uh, performance as Larry Summers' Harvard president?" <laughs> That's his manager? Yeah. No way. That's so funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, my God. uh, Did he laugh when you said that? Yeah, yeah. He'll be there uh, tomorrow. I mean, I I thought that was one of the coolest short uh, sort of cameo-like performances ever. So that was was great. Oh, my God. That's the funniest thing. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Douglas Urbanski. This is wrong. This action is wrong. (laughs) He's so great. Yeah. Um, It's not what we saw in you when we invited you to. Yeah. (laughs) That had to be like the best scene in that movie. Yeah. Um, If you do not like what he's done, then then start something else. You know, start another science project, whatever, you know. Oh man. Um, so okay. So that was good. So you did Gary Oldman, and I did Thomas yeah. Alfredson. I, did you ask Thomas Alfredson the foreskin question? No. He was quoted as saying that he wants the color, the the mood of the film, as reflected in the color scheme, to be like an old man's foreskin. That's his quote. Huh. Really? So, well, I did notice that he was kind okay. of. What do you say? I noticed he was struggling with. Um, Right. With language a little bit, and because that might—he he is uh, Swedish or, or Norwegian. What's his? Um... Yeah, which right. one? Swedish. Swedish. Okay, all right. Uh, and it, it might just be that you know, it might be that he was having a. He meant to say something else, but he said foreskin. 
No, he probably meant foreskin. <laughs> he probably meant foreskin, but he, uh, you know, he just, it, it didn't come out right and with the language as being funny. Because, you know, I, I did find out from him that his background is in comedy, you know. Okay. And, uh, but, and so he's funny. And so he was probably trying to make a joke, which would probably have come out better in Swedish than in. I don't know how he, I don't, you know, having met him just once, I did a uh, Let the Right One In interview and he struck me as a very uh you know a guy who was consumed in thoughts that were a lot deeper and a lot yeah. more interesting than what a typical interview uh with a director would be so he i felt that he was deigning to listen to me and to talk to me mm-hmm. but he was really in another place uh you know and that's fine i mean i i completely respect that but I didn't feel he. I felt he was about as much there as he could. Just so he gave me just enough attention so that he wasn't rude. But he was really not that you know interested. No, I know. I, I kind of knew that going in because I'd done. I read up on him a little bit, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I knew that's what he was going to be like. And yeah. yeah. And he was. He was just like. I mean, he was. He was a little bit nicer to me, I think, because I was. Um... He was totally nice to me. I'm not saying he was rude. I'm just saying he wasn't interested. That's okay, you know. Right. The form of, like, talking to somebody for 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I told him. The first thing I said to him was, you know, I know you're probably sick of saying answering the same question, so what can I, what can I ask you that you haven't, you know, that you yeah. – that's surprising or whatever. And he thought that was funny. And so I just <laughs> asked him a few questions, and he tried to give thoughtful answers. But I got the same vibe from him. Maybe it's a Swedish thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's possible, yeah. right? Yeah. So. All right. So anyway, so there's a really hilarious uh, recording that I have found through Chris Tapley on Twitter mm-hmm. of uh, Scott Rudin and uh, uh, David Denby having their conversation. No, it's not real, though, right? It's no, a, it's, it's fake. It's, it's, it's a fake. Uh, satire it's fake. from that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, but it's really funny. Um, you know, uh, you should I'll, I'll send it to you or whatever, but it's really quite funny. What does it say? Well, it's like, um, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, Scott Rudin's, uh, saying, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, David, you know, he says, and David Denby saying, well, I'm, I'm glad you're cool with everything, Scott, you know, uh, since you're relaxed and we're, you know, we're moving past this, uh, I'd like very much to see, uh, uh, it's, you know, incredibly loud and extremely close. And then Scott goes, you mean extremely close and incredible, or <laughs> they get it? They get it wrong. I forget. Incredibly, extremely loud and incredibly close. Is that the actual title of it? Extremely loud and incredibly close. Yeah. Yes, and he gets that wrong. He calls that incredibly loud and extremely whatever. You know. Uh-huh. And Scott says, "Yes, I'll be happy, uh, David, since I, you know, uh, you, I, I respect you. I just like want you to say one thing for me. Say one thing. I am David Denby." And Dave Denby says, I am David Denby, and I write reviews for a third-rate liberal magazine. <laughs> well, Scott, I'm not going to say that. Uh, 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 no, I mean, well, I don't, what are you doing? I mean, I just want, you know, well, David, uh, you know, um, I just want you to say that. And he says, well, Scott, I, I'm not going to, oh, well, all right, fine. You know, if you want me to say it, I don't mean it, but okay. I am David Denby, and I work for a third-rate liberal magazine. And then Scott, uh, uh, Bruden goes, Wait a minute. Come on. Give it a little feeling like you mean it, like you're writing one of your reviews. All right. I'm David Denby, and I really do work for a third-rate liberal magazine. <laughs> Say it louder. Say it with real feeling. And he makes him do it over and over again. It's like with uh, in Jerry Maguire, you know, uh, you know, 
I love black people and, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that, after that's over, then Rudin says, okay, that's fine. Thank you very much, David. I'm afraid there's no more screenings, though. Everybody's already seen it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he wants him to say? Yeah, he just wanted him to put him through it. It was really pretty funny. I so really enjoyed it. Does it, it take so. any sort of side and... Like huh? that. Does it take any sort of stance or side? No, or no, it's a, it's a, it's a joke. It's just you know those two of them, the two of them having uh, having at each other, and uh, and David Denby being uh, humiliated by Scott Rudin. That's all. <laughs> Getting humiliated. But it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, at first good. you think, oh, these people don't sound like the right ones. It's, it's going to be bad, but it mm-hmm. turns out to be pretty good. So. Oh, that's good. Did you put it on Hollywood Elsewhere? <clears throat> I meant to, and then you know I get confused and I get. Uh, distracted, and I try to do six things at the same time, and I put up the Gary Oldman. I, I edited the Gary Oldman tape, and I put uh, got a good shot of him, and uh, too many things happened. I'm, I'm yeah. having a cat sitter come in during my, oh my goodness. Uh, visit to New York, and there are a couple of women that I, I found who would like to come by. and just uh, They're not going to pay anything. I just want them to take care of the cats, and, um, you know, so I'm, I'm doing that. And, I, you know, I just got – I didn't – so I didn't do it yet. Oh. And now that I can, you know, the, the craziest thing, do you ever like, have, you have several windows open and I, and I, and I, I, as I was talking to you, I was looking for the, I didn't kill the window, but I can't find it anymore. You know, now I have to go back to Tapley's Twitter account and go searching for it. But I, you know, and, and I also had a, a an MP3 file that I had, um, from, um, two days ago when I talked to Bob Forster, and now I can't find that either. It's really, oh, dear. really irksome, you know. There's got to be a way to, to figure all that out, huh? There's just too many balls in the air, and what I'm doing is I'm, I'm dropping a couple. So. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Well, so What do you think of the uh, thing? So everybody seems to agree with our stated public stance that uh, despite um, uh, David Denby and his editors at, at The New Yorker, uh, having decided that uh, they just couldn't make it work to hold back on everything. He couldn't, they had a double issue that they had to fill or something, and there were just too many quality films jammed into the end of the year, which is true. And he wanted to, um, and they wanted to get something that was strong to, to include in this issue, and he sure as hell wasn't going to put in, as he called it, we bought the zoo. Or we bought his, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, and he has very little respect for that film, obviously. So he wants to, you know, put a, um, a strong film in. So they just figure, you know, we're just going to have to just do it, and Scott's going to have to get over it. So that's that's basically it. Mm-hmm. Except the the issue is, it really is important to, um, if you say you're going to do something, particularly as they asked me, for instance, which I have a, but I took a photo, by the way, of my email to Columbia. I will respect. This embargo. <laughs> you can't write that and say that in so many words and then go, uh, well, not really, you know, right. you can't, you know, so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, I mean, do we want to rehash the whole story or do we figure everybody that's listening to this already knows the story? The story, just very quickly, is that uh, they had an early screening of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. They, they have been insisting upon telling everybody that even though you've been, you've been shown it for the purposes of the New York Film Critics and the, and the National Board Review, and even though some of us saw it last uh, Friday morning, that the deal is you've got to wait until December 13th, and, and you've got to write us back and say, I will honor this, the terms of this embargo. I will not review it until December 13th. 
So we all did that, I presume. I, I did. I was asked to literally write it on an email and send it back to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, David's uh, the last weekend, it became known that they were going to go with a uh, Dragon Tattoo review uh, for the issue that came out today. And uh, they got very angry at that. And Scott Rudin basically said in an email to David Denby, look, whether you like the film and you were positive to it or not, or whether you, um, uh, you, you have these choices that you have to make because it's the end of the year and there's too many uh, quality level films all happening at the same time, that's really not my issue. What, what, what is issue to me is that you promised you would not do this and right. you're breaking the promise. So it becomes a, uh, you know, uh, what does it work mean to give a, your word? And uh, that's what it boils down to for me, and that's what it's, uh, Rudin feels like. I don't have any issue with what Rudin feels. I think he's uh, got the correct thing. And, and so we're, we're, so the, I thought that people were just going to rush in and just do it and say the hell with it. But it seems to have uh, not happened. Am I right? Right. No, I think that what happened was, weirdly enough, he, um, he put out that, he posted his email exchange with yeah. uh, on the playlist, which I we assume Scott Rudin would have sent it in because who yeah. else would have? And that kind of I think, while it seemed a little bit weird, it definitely sent out a shockwave through people like me, for instance, who might have toyed with that idea, but you know, after reading what Rudin said, no, you do not. You know, yeah. so it's like it's one thing for Denby to do it, but for me or you, we'd be blacklisted. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, none of us are as important. And, and I guess if David Denby is supposedly blacklisted, if he can do it to him, you know. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a weird sort of situation all the way around. I definitely think if the bottom line is what you say, if you give your word, you have to just keep it. That's it. There's no other discussion beyond that. It's not, right. you know. Uh, I think also that it – I'm not sure if it does – more publicity for the movie or less publicity? I, I don't know if it makes people want to have their knives out. Um, well, why? They just wanted to stick to their re- embargo. I mean, you know, it's not going to hurt them if the, if word gets out starting now, but that's their their decision is they feel the strategy works for them to have it out sooner for whatever reason. Uh, they're afraid, of course, of early negativity, and as you and I know, there is going to be some of that, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know what to what extent. And uh, there is a, 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 a name blogger, a name columnist that we, we both know, who is uh, really big on it and feels that it's a best picture candidate. You have said to me that you think it might be also. I, I think it's just going to be a hugely successful film, and it is a very good film, but I don't think it's a best picture candidate. I didn't um, know that. Uh, I didn't know that, that our friend was so big on it. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, that's what he. That's what I was told by a publicist who had spoken to him. Because saying said, it's a best picture contender and being big on it are two different things, obviously, right? So, um, but I understand from what she said to him that he believes that it is a uh, film that would would or could or should end up in the realm of six or seven, whatever it's going to be, mm-hmm. best picture candidates. And I doubt that, but because um, it feels to me like a. Um, well, I guess I'm still not supposed to say anything. No, but I still think- you're not. And I can't talk about its best picture yeah. chances either without talking about it that yeah. way. And it it bothers me that people are sneaking stuff in here and there, like, um, uh, you know, um, right. certain people we know are saying good and bad things about mm-hmm. it, let's just say. And so, you yeah. know, I feel like it's frustrating for me because I can't get out there and, and defend it, even though I did today. 
But um, but as far as that goes, I don't know. I mean, you only have your own opinion to go on at that point before you've heard the reviews. I got the one review from David Denby, which is an incredibly good sign. If you just talk about it like that, like if, if we could talk about it as if we'd never saw it. Mm-hmm. Let's right. just say that if I was watching it and I read that review by David Denby, my first thought was fucking wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? That yeah. looks like a movie I want to see. I can't believe how he's writing about Rooney Mara. There is no other female character like her this year or any year. And I think that it's, for me, that kind of movie that David Denby wrote in his review, which is up on The New Yorker, um, I think that, uh, that, that that's a movie that people will dig their teeth into. It's got crackling heat, like only David Fincher can really bring. And... Um, well, I mean, uh, I'm, just going, saying, I'm just going by the review, what the review says. The way you, he says it in the review, it's mesmerizing, it's bleak, but it's exciting. It's exhilarating. It obviously was enough to get him to want to break the embargo with Scott Rudin so he could write a positive review. I don't think that people are right. I don't think he didn't want to write We Bought a Zoo because he thought it was a bad movie. I think he didn't want to write about it because he's sick of writing about fucking family movies. And I'm also no. He would have called it. We bought a zoo, rather. We bought the zoo. That that's an allusion to we bought the farm. That's an allusion to it. Does, it's not working out. We're going down in flames or no, whatever. No, he says afterwards, whatever it's called. You know, he didn't mean it that he, way. He deliberately mis- misnamed the film as we bought the farm, as a to make it sound like we. Uh, excuse me. We bought the zoo to make it sound like we bought the farm. So yeah. that's what he's he's saying. He doesn't like it, obviously. Well, not everybody's going to like it, you know, but it's like that and Warhorse and, uh, you know, even Hugo and, um, yeah. you know, you name but, it, it's, it's a family movie. Of- but this movie, according to the review I read by David Denby on the New Yorker's website, <laughs> uh-huh. it's definitely not a family movie. It is, as David Fincher said, I mean, I'm assuming from what I read that it's a hard R. It's what Fincher said yeah. about it. And that right. it is has too many anal rape scenes for the Academy. However, well, I think that's... I don't. My understanding is that it does not have numerous or several or more than one. There is one, from what I understand. From what I understand, there is also no. There's two because payback's a bitch, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, of course. That's that's uh, yeah. So. You're right. <laughs> But of all the movies I've seen this year, there are a handful of them that I would just walk right out of the theater, get right back in line, and see it again. And I'm judging, I'm guessing by David Denby's review that this movie is going to be one of those movies for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. You know, it just, there's something to be said for a good old-fashioned entertaining film. We don't get enough of them. You know, these movies, they're, God, you know, love them, but they all require you to really, really... um, you know, a, a lot of the movies that came out this year require an interpretation by you. They require you to go, okay, well, I think that means this. And that's yeah. that's scintillating and, and interesting, but it's a lot of work, you know. And a good movie like Rise of the Planet of the Apes or, you know, even if it's a genre movie, if it's a satisfying story with a beginning, a middle, and an end and character arcs, uh, and that it isn't a British, stodgy old British movie about royalty it's you know can you think of one other movie this year that has even a that's in the oscar race that has a sex scene in it a single sex scene i'm trying to think of one the artist doesn't hugo doesn't um 
Descendants doesn't. Descendants has a very tame kiss. Uh, yeah. Any other movie? Can you think of any that that do that are best picture contenders? Uh, nope. Nope. It's, the it's, Help it's, doesn't. It's, Midnight in Paris doesn't. None of them. Yeah. Right. So what's happened? Well, you know, we've we've dulled our knives. So here yeah. comes here comes the Prince of Darkness. Here comes David Fincher, and he's saying, "Check it out." <laughs> <laughs> Look at this yeah. movie, and I think people are going to react to that. I really do. I think it's going to make a hundred million without even blinking. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the the fact that the critical elite like David Denby was so wowed by it that says a lot. Uh, you know, well, he said it was pulp. He did not like jump up and down and do handstands. He didn't about say it. the movie was pulp. He said the source material was pulp. Yeah, yeah. And the source material of some of the greatest movies ever made you know, was pulp, um, the exorcist and Godfather, uh, you know, I'm just saying, I can't wait for people to see it now. Unfortunately, it's also a movie that, you know, some people are going to have their knives out for. I've always thought that David Fincher was in a, was in a place where he was too good, you know, and people were really want to take him down a notch because he's, he's too revered. He's too highly revered by people like last year when he got the best director of all time on entertainment weekly or something like that. I can't remember what it was. He came in at number one. Um, I know one person in specific who's, who's getting ready to just dive in (laughs) and said on Twitter that, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but he said it. I didn't that um, it's worse than alien three. Yeah. That alien three, if alien three is his worst movie, get ready for this. And that's just, stupidity i'm sorry but it is it's just stupidity but what are you gonna do ever to each his own right i'm not saying he's stupid i'm just saying it is a stupid thing to say and it's so far off base it it, to me it's a passionate hatred a passionate Mm -hmm. response and if there's a passionate response of hatred there's something personal involved usually you don't think that there's going to be people out there who have seen the uh original and who've read the book and they know this story up and down Mm -hmm. and they're going to see the story told again albeit with a really good uh elizabeth salander and and daniel craig's you know he's certainly as good as the swedish guy and you know you've got chris Plummer, and you know it's all first rate but she's really good you don't think there are people going to say well okay this is good this is very well done but you know i've seen this before it's not exactly uh you know, a reinvention of the wheel here. So it's, you know, you have to kind of put it in perspective. He's, you know, if anybody's going to disappoint, they're going to say, you know, I, I just, this feels like just sort of an exercise in craft. You know, you're just making the movie because it's going to be popular and good job. But, I, you know, what do you want me to do? You know, I don't think people are going to say that. I think what they're going to say is they're going to get all defensive of her, the original um, person who played oh, that why? part. And why are they going to get Caught up in because that, that's how people are. They're snobby. And I think that they're going to be snobby about that. They're going to be like, you know, the way they are with, with let me in and let the right one in. You know, it's like nothing's ever or, – or departed and um, inter, in, was it Infernal Affairs or Internal Affairs? It was one of the two. Um, I'm sorry. Forgive my ignorance. But you know, they're just purists who are never going to – even though the original Dragon Tattoo movie isn't, you know, is hardly – as good as as one of these i tried to watch it i couldn't get through it so i'm gonna watch it again and see how it stacks up but um but 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 in that movie really everybody just talked about her her performance that big girl whatever her name is um 
Numi Rapace. Numi Rapace. And there was a huge um, campaign to get her nominated for an Oscar. Because it's a great part. I mean, I got followed on Twitter by somebody who has a whole website devoted to that character. That character. Because she's so strong. She's so unique. She's so awesome. I mean, (laughs) what a mind blow that this character is, especially in our fanboy culture. And, and, you know, women are like in in War Harsh, the woman's a good mother. And then there's like yeah. the little girl. She's cute, you know, the little girl who does the horse training and stuff. And but you know, yeah. you just see women are just cookie cutters, you know. And it, mm-hmm. it's bad for women. It's bad for uh, women of color, and it's bad for you know other minorities. It's just there are always these stereotypes, and it's nice to see somebody finally just kick that door down. Yeah, you know, really nice. There were no conditions for this character. There's there are no. Yeah. Um, there are no, uh, you know, she's she's she she's only smart up to a point because then you know Daniel Craig has to come in and rescue her, or you know she's she she can try and get him, but then a guy has to come and 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 fix the problem, or she doesn't know enough, or she's not smart. But no, that's not Elizabeth Salander in, in the Dragon Tattoo. She's an ass kicking, smart cookie survivor. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. in the book, in the Swedish movie, and then. Probably going by David Denby's review in the David Fincher movie. Yeah. So, um, anyway, we're talking about a movie we can't talk about yet, but soon we will be able to. I just worry that the whole embargo thing creates, you know, raises expectations in a way that it, it you know, it really doesn't need to do. Uh-huh. I guess we'll see, you know. Yeah. But, um, All right. yeah. So, uh, so we've covered that. We've covered what we're going to be doing with let the uh, uh, with uh, with uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. You have not seen the Angelina Jolie film, but you are intending to try and see it this week. Yeah, I just I just talked to the publicist today, who's who I, I explained why I couldn't go to the premiere, and and you know he understood. So, so what are you going to do? Well, hopefully they'll have screeners floating around. Screeners. Yeah, I'd like to see it at a screening. I'm sure they'll. Now that they know I really want to see it, I'm sure they'll they'll get me in. He said I'll I'll keep you updated to screenings that are coming up. And just to explain to the anyone listening, you cannot see it because your daughter Emma has a cello recital, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yep. Cello. Cello. She plays the cello. She's been playing since third grade, and right. uh, it's just right. the kind of thing you can't miss when you're the only parent. Yeah. Sure. No. So, but, um, and I'm looking forward to her concert. She's in eighth grade. This might be her last concert, although she's going to be studying when she goes to high school too, um, at the college because they don't have it in her school. So. This is funny. Uh, Nathaniel Rogers. Yeah. The girl with embargoed reviews. <laughs> <sighs> There's one dying to say about the movie, but I shall wait. Uh, he said that? Yeah. Oh, so he's yeah. seen it. I guess, yeah. Oh, I should ask him privately what he I'm thought. I'm dying to say something, but I gotta wait. Uh, he's, that's all. Yeah. But I like that the the girl with the embargoed reviews. That's good. I really want to hear what he has to say, but I I can't yeah. imagine anybody's not going to be wowed by it. Honestly, going by David Denby's review. <laughs> yeah. Although I do know a few people who won't be, you know. But I just I I feel similar, even though your friend. Our friend Glenn Kenny says it's ridiculous, but I sort of feel that way. That um, anyway, it, he says uh, Roger says um, Sony got very angry at Denby's review, even though 
the review was positive and basically a love letter to Rooney Mara, whom I can confirm. No, wait, wait, I can't say, I can't say anything. I'm under embargo. Uh, in the, this amounts to nothing so much as free publicity for Dragon Tattoo and free publicity for David Denby and The New Yorker. So everyone that? wins. Who said this? Even though you'll read differently elsewhere, since people like to get on soapboxes about such things. So That's Glenn Kenny saying No, that? that's uh, Nathaniel Rogers. Nathaniel R., Nathaniel Rogers. Oh, he just said just you now know, on Twitter? I'm reading from his piece that he has written on the film experience. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm sorry. I he, thought you were... He has a post that, that, is, uh, that links to it. It is a piece that he wrote on the film experience. And so that's what he says. Okay, so I guess I'll have to read it again because I thought you were just reading Glenn Kenny's thing. What did he say about a high horse? No. Huh? What did he say about a high horse? He said people like to get on high horse soapboxes, which is, I guess, an allusion to you and me saying we don't break our words. That's not exactly getting on a high horse. It just (laughs) saves But I guess that's what he's saying. Yeah. And what else did he say? Does he give any impression at all about the movie? No. He's trying to be as uh, correct as possible. He just... Digressed one second when he says, "I sort of agree with David." Oh no, I don't mean to say that because I'm on, under embargo. Oh, okay, so. okay. Uh, yeah, sort of agree. You know, people are always so funny and cautious about how they feel about a movie. Everybody's afraid to just, you know, everybody's afraid to be embarrassed. You know. I asked, by the way, earlier today. I said, you know, just to let you know directly, I uh, am not uh, going to rush in with this thing, and I'm gonna, I'm not going to, I'm going to wait until next Monday. However, can I at least push push that thing that I put up that I had to take down about she being really good and being a best actress contender and and I was told well I'll you know we'll check and uh, but I didn't hear back so I guess not so I got to wait oh. for that uh, next Monday also. So. And that was um, what's her name? Yes, Cynthia. Okay. Yeah. So you don't know, but maybe he'll he'll get back to you. No, I think I would have heard. I mean, it's a fairly simple thing. Yes, no, you know, not saying anything. That's that's a no. So okay, just have to write about all the dozens of other things one can write about. That's all. Very <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you do that, the walls come tumbling down. You know, right yeah. now they've got a very polite press who's who right. are just being quiet. You know, because Ann Thompson's really the one who backed down. She was the one I thought was going to break it because she said... Yeah, I thought for sure she would. She said, this is it. It's over. No yeah. more embargo. So I she thought said, that means, okay, here she comes. She said all We're bets are off. But I think when people saw how personal it was, you know, and how yeah. be, how emotional they were about it, I think that that, that stopped her. You know? Right. And I agree with that. I'm, I'm glad it did. I'm glad it stopped her, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Mm-hmm. So, anyway, it's been an exciting week. You know, I hope that... <laughs> I really hope that that it doesn't affect the movie. I'm I, I'm so excited to be able to see it again. I can't wait to see it again. I know I'll watch it over and over again. And I can we just say a little bit about Trent Reznor's amazing, amazing, amazing score? Boy, is that great! You know the yeah, yeah. Atticus Ross Trent Reznor score, um, which mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I saw the movie. I'm just saying that it. I hear it on YouTube. They have yeah. cuts of it. So okay, right. Right. <laughs> I haven't even seen that, but thanks for telling me. I didn't even know about that. So. Yeah, there are pieces of it on, on YouTube. Um, is there anything that, that we want to say about box office that we didn't get to say because of um, 
Uh, forget it. No, okay. It's All right. My apologies for, for blowing that. I was so sorry because I know Phil, it's hard for him to get into a podcast, get together with us, you know. Yeah. So, um. Boy. Trying to just, uh. Okay. No, I'm I'm pretty much done, I guess, uh, and I think we shouldn't. Uh, we, we've we've said our say about about what happened, and um, that's that's sufficient. We don't have to go on and on. We're fine. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to go on and on about except, I suppose, for the fact that, um, you know, it's, yeah. it is an ongoing fight on Twitter that just seems to continue for some weird reason. Um, people are like David Poland today was saying how it was like. Uh, you know, it was like forgiving child molesters. If you're going to take a stand, you have to take a stand. And, you know, people are really kind of, a lot of them are having sort of mob mentality against, um, Denby. Denby. Yeah. Not Rudin. Who was saying, if I, to be specific, you said that his review, you found it arousing. You found it hot. He he said, Oh, that's like saying, uh, well, you know, having sex with minors. Well, that's fine too. Let's call that hot. That was a pretty rash thing. And and Devin Farachi came in and I said, you know, the only, this is getting so stupid. Why don't you bring up the Holocaust as an analogy? And then it turned into this huge thing with, uh, with, with Glenn Kenny and (laughs) Devin and all these other people (laughs) joining Um, and I had to, to, to go away. So I didn't get to see how it got left, but no, I don't think you can equate what he did with, you know, um, I mean, I think it's just the power, power play at work. I think that he felt like he was in the New Yorker and there was nothing Scott Rudin was going to be able to do because, you know, the, the studios need, need a magazine like that more than the the other way around. So I think he just figured, Oh, he's, he's just going to have to deal with it. I'm at the New Yorker, you know? Yeah. But then Scott Rudin said, no way. I'm not going to deal with that. You know, screw you. I'm going to write this thing and I'm going to ban you from all future screenings. (laughs) (laughs) And I really do think it scared people. I mean, you know, you can, you can stand up for him and you can say, you know, studios shouldn't bully journalists around and bloggers around and stuff. But the fact is, is that Rude's right in this case. He was right. Yeah. He wasn't wrong because he's standing up for, for morality. You know, he's standing up yeah. for, for a, the right thing to do as opposed to, I'll just let this slide because it's a it's a rave review. You know, he's saying it doesn't matter that you rave mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so he's, and, and, and the, it's win-win for him because he's, he's produced, um, you know, Moneyball and he's, well, he executive produced Moneyball and he produced uh, this movie, Dragon Tattoo. I mean, the guy brought us No Country for Old Men, Social yep. Network. I mean, he is, if I had a pick a desert island producer i'd pick him like if i had to pick one guy who could produce movies that i could watch on desert island absolutely scott rudin i would trust him 100 percent. he picks great books he babies them you know people call him an asshole and he has a horrible temper and but you know you get right down to it the guy delivers mm-hmm. and you know he's certainly made my life better so why would i turn around and you know fuck him over for that never of course but, um, well, you know, funny, I'm just trying to find Chris Tapley on Twitter. What the hell is this? I can't even find him. He's called Chris Tapley. There isn't any ifs, ands, or buts about this, right? Right. Jesus. This is bothersome. As you're talking, I'm trying to do this because I want to play this thing. I thought maybe it would come out. If I play something, it would come out on the, uh, no. Because I really wanted to find it. It's really great. I thought we could just end the, the podcast with this thing. 
<laughs> well, he said it to me, too. So if you look on, well, let me see if I can find it. I'll go on Twitter and find it for you. What um, the hell? How can I, you know, it's, it's, I'm searching for him, and that, it always comes up. And, you know, it's not a problem. So what the hell? I don't get it. I'm really lost here. Oh. Um, hang on a sec. Let me see if I can find that guy's thing. Oh, I see Chris Willman got in on the action. It says, Glenn versus my illiteracy, pedophile rationalization versus Denby rationalization. No feud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then Lou Luminick writes, today it's just Kenny in Poland. I just dropped by briefly for immoral support. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I, um, I got to find this whole thread. This sounds really good. I'd like to read all these. I you should. Know. I mean, they're, it's great. I love it when... Glenn Kenny and David Poland and Devin all fight together and Lou Luminick now. I just love it because, you know, I'm definitely not a person who believes in being quiet and apathetic on Twitter. I like people who get out there and say stuff that they feel strongly about. Right. You know, mm -hmm. apathy is the most boring thing in the world to me. So yeah. whenever anybody says, hey, what are you getting so mad about? You know, mm -hmm. I prefer yeah. it when, when they do get mad and they discuss things. To me, that's not a waste of time. A waste of time is, you know. Oh, here it is. <laughs> I found it. You found the thing? Yeah, the Oscar speak. Yeah. Oh, here it is. You know why? Because there's no space between Chris and... Hello, my name is Karen Nagel, and welcome to another episode of Oscar Speak Podcast. Ryan cannot be here again, but I am joined by two guests. The first is David Denby, film, film critic for The New Yorker. Hello, David. Thanks for having me, Karen. And also, mega producer Scott Rudin. <laughs> it's a, uh, a pleasure to be here, Karen. So I'm just going to leave it over to the two of you and let you discuss uh, some issues that you've had recently. And, uh, yeah, I'll just see how it works out. Scott, I just I just wanted to start off by uh, apologizing to you. Um, I by by releasing my review, I had no idea that it would it would upset you this this much, and I'm I'm sorry for what I brought upon. David, I I don't want you to worry about that. That's in the past. It's it's not something you can you should you know linger upon. I'm over it, so let's move on. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, that, that's great. That, I, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, actually, I, I was wondering if you could uh, help me out with something. I'm, uh, I'm trying to get into a uh, screening of Incredibly Loud and ex Extremely Close. You mean uh, <laughs> Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close? Oh, it, it, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, do, do you think you'd be able to get me into a, uh, a screening? I'm, I'm dying to get a review out there for it. Certainly, I, I could get you into a screening, no problem, David. Well, thanks. All that I need you to do is just say something for me. J just say something? Well, sure. I want you to repeat these words. My name is David Denby. My, my name is David Denby. 
And the New Yorker is a third-rate liberal publication. Uh, I'm I'm not going to say that, Scott. My name is David Denby, (laughs) and the New Yorker is a third-rate liberal publication. Well, well, it's not, but I will, I will go along with your... My my name is David Denby, and the New Yorker (laughs) is a third-rate publication. Say it like you mean it, David. (laughs) Say it as though you're talking about something you believe in in one of your reviews. My name is David Denby, and The New Yorker is a third-rate publication. A third-rate publication! I want to hear you say it! A third-rate publication. A third-rate liberal publication, David! A third... A third-rate liberal publication. Louder! A third-rate liberal publication. Louder! The New Yorker is a third-rate liberal publication. Very good, David. Thank you. Um, unfortunately, there are no more critic screenings, but you're welcome to buy a ticket at your local AMC theater when the film opens on Christmas Day. What do you mean there's, there's no more critical screenings? How's that, how's that possible? We're done with them. There's, there's no more. We've screened that movie for all of the critics who are going to see it. I, 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 I just don't understand how that's even... Let, let, let me explain it to you, uh, David. You and I were at a movie theater, and you got up from your seat to go to the bathroom. And while you were in the bathroom, amongst the shit and the urine, you decided to break my embargo and write your review of the girl with the dragon tattoo. So, while you're out of the theater... I eat your goobers! I reach over to your seat, I grab the box, and I eat them up! I eat them! There are no more critic screenings, David. We gotta get this guy and on. Yeah. He's a critic. That's great. I love That's it. Well, um, Oops. oh, it looks like, uh, oh, okay, you guys stay stay away from each other. Come here, David! Oh, 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 God. Karen, I'm done. That was great. Are you there? Yep. Oh, yeah. That was great. Uh, Scott Rudin as Daniel Plainview. That was excellent. So Yeah. So we're going to have to try to get this guy uh, on here. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Stein is his name. Yeah. And very, his, very his website is oscarspeakpodcast.tumblr.com. So right. you can find him there. But that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon tattoo. I eat your yeah. milkshake. All right. All right, cutie. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. And okay. Be onward. well. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. We missed our buddy Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com because I had to re-record our damaged podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at OscarPodcast 
And we will be back next week. The bumper music was two songs by PJ Harvey. Meet Z Monster and The Horse Hustle and The Hustlers Whore. Thanks for listening. Speak to me, universal law. The Horse Hustle and The Hustlers Whore. All around me, people bleed. Of the heart. This isn't the first time.